This week on the Dylan and Dylan Show, the guys draft a starting five with the 2022-23 NBA rookie class. The question and answer answers what draft format is better, the NBA lottery or the NFL draft, and what makes a tanking team successful. And in this week in sports, the guys react to round one of the NBA draft. Back to the Dylan and Dylan Show, presented by Tunnel Vision Sports. We are recording late on Thursday to bring you our real-time reactions to the NBA draft. Still going on in the background, but for all intents and purposes, uh, the important stuff has happened, and we can start talking about the news of the night. DJ here, Dylan Jesperson here, back in my college town of Mount Pleasant, Michigan. This is my new place for the foreseeable future uh, as I get into my new job uh, covering sports up here in northern Michigan. Joined as my main... Joined by my main man, D.H. Dylan Holtz. Dylan, how are you doing, my man? I'm doing really good. Uh, like you said, it's draft day. The draft is happening right now as we are speaking. Uh, the lottery is getting finished up, but uh, we got a lot of stuff to talk about. It's mostly NBA draft stuff. Uh, it's kind of an NBA draft special for you today. Uh, but there's a few things I wanted to get into before we talk about the draft. Um, Ohio State trademark the... That, that was some big news. I know you're probably not crazy about it, but I had to get this out here. I think that's electric. That's so pretentious. Like, it's just Ohio State to the max, and I love it. Another thing I love, Arch Manning committed to Texas today, and I love that so, so much because so many fans in the SEC thought Arch was headed to Ole Miss, Georgia, or Alabama, and he said, nope, I'm going to Texas. Another Manning is going to UT and wearing orange. I count it as a win for the good guys. Uh, yeah, I'm excited for a really good show today. I'm excited to talk about the draft. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm pretty tired, but I'm uh, excited to get into the NBA draft stuff with uh, my main man, DH. First off, of course, it's out of the box draft time. And on draft night itself, we figured it would be a good time to take a stab at our own type of NBA draft. Dylan and I will be approaching this NBA draft class as if we were dueling GMs trying to draft a lineup uh, to combat each other uh, out of this year's rookies. And we we will try to see who can assemble uh, the best lineup uh, uh, out of those rookies. Do you have a coin ready to go, Dylan? I do not. Okay. I'm going to have to find something that because I, I do have a coin somewhere here. Give me a second. Uh, you find it. I, I will talk. Um, as we're sitting here in real time, it's the 12th pick in the NBA draft. The Oklahoma City Thunder just select Jalen Williams. I believe that's Jalen Williams out of uh, Santa Clara, not the Jalen Williams out of Arkansas. The forward. I Well, they're both forwards. But I, uh, I believe Jalen Williams out of Santa Clara was projected a little bit higher than Jalen Williams out of Arkansas. It seems like uh, the Thunder made that trade with the Knicks, as you all know by now. And this 12th pick was not a part of that trade. And they're, they're going to keep Jalen Williams, which should be interesting to see how that all fits. We all know now that Chet got picked. It was Santa Clara's Jalen Williams. Woj just cleared that up for me. Uh, so they had Jalen Williams out of Santa Clara to Chet Holmgren, the second pick. And OKC, man, they've just got so much young talent. Uh, and they have all those picks in the future. I'm sure a few of them have gotten to the Knicks, apparently. But, uh, yeah, they've just, they're stacking up on young talent. It's interesting to see what Sam Presti's doing in Oklahoma City. Uh, do you have the coin? Did not find a coin, but I'll just flip a bottle cap. So That works. Whatever it is. Uh, so The head uh, equivalent. The head equivalent is this recycled. I like recycling, yeah. All right. And you got the recycle. There we go. I want the second and third pick. All right. We'll get right into it then. Uh, that makes it a little tough for me, but 
Uh, I am going to follow suit with what happened in the NBA draft today. Uh, I know last week I said if I had my first overall pick, I would take Chet and roll with him. But uh, we also talked last week about how who I thought was the most NBA ready. And I kind of approached this like we were playing a game tomorrow. Uh, so I want Paolo Bancaro on my team. And I'm going to stick him at the three because, uh, like we said last week, he is the most NBA ready of all of those guys that are, were up there in the top three contention. Uh, and, I, and I think that's why the Magic ended up selecting him number one overall tonight. Uh, he's a star in the making, and you can put him at either forward spot, and he's going to fit into you know what the NBA is nowadays. He's going to score. He's going to do things. You know, he, he He's got an NBA game, and it's really just – whether his jumper and his defense are going to get to, you know, pure superstar levels. But I think he's a star now with what his, I mean, he's six foot 10. He can do everything uh, on the offensive end other than really just shoot consistently. So uh, if, you know, given my chance, if I'm throwing a team out there tomorrow to beat your team, uh, I want Ben Carroll on my team uh, with the first pick. So I'll throw it to you for your first two picks. Yeah, I'm not surprised by that at all. He went number one tonight, and we were both super high on Paulo last week, and we have throughout the whole college basketball season and coming up to the draft tonight. Uh, I like that pick a lot. It's who I was. I wanted to pick. I, I thought maybe you would go with Jabari or Chet, but that's okay. So I'm going to take Jabari. I Jabari was the guy that I said if I was the Orlando Magic, I would pick him number one overall. I talked about how much I like Paulo, but I I think Jabari just has so much raw talent. And there's just something about him. I don't know. I, I gravitate towards them. I talked about it a lot last week when I was like, hey, this is a guy that I would want to build my I would want to build my franchise around this guy. He's just he's got that it factor. I mean, they're comparing him to Kevin Durant. That's how you know this guy's a special six ten shooter at the forward position. I, I I love everything about Jabari Smith and I'm very happy to get him here. Although with my second pick. I'm going with the guard out of Purdue. I'm going Jaden Ivey, your guy. And I was like, man, I don't want to do this to Dylan, but Jaden Ivey's been my guy for a long time now. I've I praised Jaden Ivey on the show, on Twitter, on any kind of social media I could. Uh, Jaden Ivey's a baller, and he, he showed out all season at Purdue this year. He was very good as a freshman, too, but I didn't pay as much attention. Uh, Jaden Ivey's a guy you want uh, the ball in his hands in the crunch time basically at any time, but crunch time, especially, it seems like he just really turns it on, makes winning plays. Uh, I love Jaden Ivey's game. And as soon as the Kings passed on Jaden Ivey and picked Keegan Murray, I was like, oh my God, they've set up a Cade Cunningham, Jaden Ivey duo in Detroit. That is just a future all-star duo uh, of a backcourt for the Pistons. And I love it. I, I'm not a Pistons fan. I'm very happy for you guys though. Cause that is just an awesome backcourt. I even tweeted, I was like, did the Pistons just become much watch TV because, I mean, Jaden Ivey and Kate Cunningham, that's such an awesome, awesome backcourt. And I, I love Jaden Ivey. I, I'm really, really happy to select him. And a Jaden Ivey-Jabari match or duo would also be awesome. Them running the pick and roll, I woo, that it would probably be the pick and pop because Jabari specializes in the three, but that's all right. Uh, I'm happy to get Jabari Smith and Jaden Ivey with my first two picks. I'll throw it to you for your second and third picks. I mean, I like that I, I like those picks. I don't like the fact that I can't take Jaden Ivey, who's now, like you said, my guy in Detroit. Uh, I was happy that he fell to the Pistons at five there. I think that was the best way that we could have uh, we gotten. I mean, I love both those guys there. Uh, with my next pick, I'll go with the guy that I was going to take number one last week. I'll take Chet. If Chet's on the board, I'll take him. Uh, I, I, I get the, you know, like I said last week, I get all the the speculation, the you know whether or not he's going to be healthy enough to to survive in the NBA. But uh, if he does, I mean, this this is kind of the the conversation I used to have with people when Denard Robinson was the quarterback at Michigan, because that was the the conversation people would have. It's like, oh well, he's probably going to get hurt if he keeps playing that way, and he did eventually get hurt. But it's like when that's your only argument against the guy, isn't that a guy you kind of want? when the only argument is like if he gets he'll if he gets hurt then it's then it's bust because that's the only argument you can take against chet if he works out he is going to be something very special and like i said we saw chris stops for a very small point at his peak at like unicorn levels and if chet can sustain that off a you know eight ten years in the nba he's going to put up some freak numbers. He's going to be leading whatever team he's at, you know, whatever team he ends up being on for a long period of time, he'll break all the records in like every statistical category. Cause he just has all of those abilities. So uh, I'm happy to take Chet, uh, you know, I'll happy to get him and 
you know, Paolo on the same team. With my next pick, I was going to put Jaden Ivey at the one, uh, so I will have to switch to my alternate there, and I'm going to take Shaden Sharp and go put him at the one. Uh, I, he is the biggest question mark in this draft, but I think in like four or five years, we're going to, we might be looking at it and go, wow, Sharp was really, really underrated to fall as far as he did, even in the, in the stacked draft like this, because he has, I mean, he was, uh, you know, a consensus number one guy before he reclassified to go play at Kentucky uh, and then ended up not playing at Kentucky. Uh, and, you know, if you're, I hate the, like the sideshow that became the Shaden Sharp, like the stuff behind his recruitment and then the, uh, you know, not playing and the enrollment stuff. And then ended up, if you're focused on him not playing at Kentucky, you're what's wrong with sports media, because like he is obviously going to be so good. And if you're going to hold that, like, one year at Kentucky against him, then stop because he's going to be really, really good. And I think, you know, you, he's probably a better two guard than he is a one, but I think at six foot six and his play style, give him a year or two to develop. And I think he's going to be an amazing guard at whatever, like, whatever you want him to do. He's going to be doing whatever you, at a very high level. So uh, give me Chet, give me Shaden Sharp. I think my, my team is running out good, but I'll throw it to you for your next couple of picks. I like both those picks a lot. And I, I talked about how I wasn't crazy about Chet, but I understand like he, he is that dude. I just, I don't know. I can't get too excited about Chet, but I, I fully understand picking him. And Shaden Sharp was a guy I was hoping to get in th- these sections of picks my second go around. Uh, Cause I do really like him. And I think, like you said, we could look back and be like, Whoa, that, that guy should have gone a lot higher than seven to the Blazers. And I, that's, yeah, I, he's a guy that there's a lot of question marks around, but, he he could be the steal of the draft at seven. There, it feels like we're saying that about him and Jaden Ivey at five. That, this, that's really exciting stuff. Um, with my next pick, my third pick, yeah, I'm going with I'm going to go with my center. I'm going to play Jabari Smith at power forward. I'm going Jalen Duran out of Duke, and he was literally just selected 13th overall by the Hornets. I think Jalen Duran, he's a guy that uh, he's special. I think I think he's a guy that went kind of overlooked, which is weird because there was so much, we talked about a lot, a lot of attention on Imani Bates at Memphis. And then Penny gets a lot of attention as the coach. And Jalen Duran was just there doing work all season long. Well, Shams just corrected me. He was drafted by the Hornets, but has been traded to the New York Knicks. Or no, the Pistons are acquiring Jalen Duran. Excuse me. I just picked another one of your Detroit Pistons. That Jalen Duran is a Detroit Piston, according to Woj. We've got conflicting reports. Shams saying he's a Nick. Woj is saying he's a Piston. He's an NBA player, and he's a lottery pick, and he's on my team. And clearly, there are multiple teams that are, are uh, trying their best to acquire Jalen Duran because his services are needed. This this draft class is weird because Jabari and Chet could definitely play center, but they're definitely not centers. And Jalen Duran is a center, and that, that fits the – uh, criteria I want with my center position. He's a guy that's going to be a center and get down low and get dirty, get those paint points, get rebounds, play good defense. So that, that's just what he does. He, he had a great year at uh, Memphis, and I'm very excited to add him to my lineup. With my next pick, I'm going to go to point guard because I'm going to have Jaden Ivey at the two. I'm going to Kennedy Chandler out of Tennessee. And this is biased and can be as can be, but this is the only way I could get on this team. And I, I believe in Kennedy. Kennedy's going to go later than he should in this draft because he's undersized. But what a lot of people don't realize is his wingspan makes up for it. He's listed at six foot tall. He's got a six, six wingspan. That makes up for that short, uh, or not short, he's six foot tall. That's plenty above average. Uh, I think Kennedy's, he's fine. His size shouldn't be a problem. Yeah. He can play defense and he's a really good scorer. And I, I think people are going to see that very quickly in the NBA. He was a five-star recruit for a reason. Uh, he was MVP of the SEC tournament as a freshman, all-SEC, uh, I believe, first team. He was definitely all-SEC all freshman team. Um, he's a really, really good player, and I, he's a good point guard. He's a good leader of a team, and I'm excited to see where he gets picked later in the night. I'm hoping maybe he can go to Memphis. Uh, that would be really, really cool. But, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to have Kennedy Chandler and Jalen Duran to my team of Jaden Ivey and Jabari Smith. I'll throw it to you for your last two picks. I love those picks. I'm kind of in shock here, to, you know, reacting to this Jalen Duran pick. I know I, I with the trade, so the, the rumor was after the Ivy pick that if, if Duran fell to 11, the Knicks were going to take him there uh, and then trade him to the Pistons, and that was going to be somehow the way that Ivy was going to end up in New York, and that fell through. And now it's being rumored that he got, or I mean, it's being reported by both 
that they they get traded to both of those teams uh, by the Knicks and the Pistons. Uh, so I don't know. I, I'm, we're going to have to figure out where this actually ends up landing. I'm seeing people on Twitter already saying this is going to decide who is the who's the goat of uh, NBA Twitter because it's Shams versus Woj, whoever, whoever got this right, uh, got it right. Uh, but love those picks. Uh, I, obviously, I had Jalen Duran down as my second big as well. Uh, and then Kennedy Chandler. I, I, don't, I don't blame anyone for going biased when they, when they can. Uh, so I've got my last two picks to get out of the way here uh, at my – I guess it doesn't matter where I go first. But at, at my two-guard slot, I'm going to go with Dyson Daniels. Uh, he is a guy that shot up uh, draft boards. I think he ended up going eight overall tonight where it was when he ended up going. Uh, and as I, I saw him as a high as five, I saw the Pistons taking him at five in the mock draft coming up. And I was like, okay, I got to familiar, familiarize myself with him because of the guys in the top 10, I think he was the one I knew the least about. Uh, he's a good player. And I think he's going to be really, really good in, in the next couple of years. If he develops a jump shot, he's going to be the perfect two guard to to play in the NBA. He's six foot eight. He's an insane defender already. He plays really hard on the defensive end, which is great to see out of a rookie guy. And and, and I mean, he just is that guy. He's got that G League because he comes out of the G League. He's an Australian kid, but he's that G League ignite. He's got that flash uh, that the G League has kind of given to guys, you know, like uh, – <laughs> he's giving them the G League flash. Uh, all right, Dylan's got the got something. I know you have his jersey. That's why I freaked out. The New York Knicks are trading Kimba Walker to the Detroit Pistons. Wow, that's a move. That's a move. What, okay, that doesn't. So the so the Ivy's got to be going then, right? So the Knicks acquired Jalen Duran and moved him with Kimba Walker to the Pistons. So we're going to have Cade, Ivy, and Kemba? I guess. They acquired Duran and Walker. I don't know. I feel like there's going to be more coming out with this. Wait, we got Duran and Walker? That's what it says. Knicks acquired Jalen Duran and moved him with Kemba Walker to the Pistons. What in the world? This is a lot of fun. The Pistons are winning the draft as we speak, and I'm I'm loving it. Big time Uh, agree. Yeah, uh... Yeah, uh, Dyson Daniels, getting back to my pick, Dyson Daniels is a great, great two guard, and I think he's going to grow into something really, really special in the next couple of years. So uh, I'll take him at the two. Uh, with my last pick, uh, I've got to get the my four spot. Uh, and I'm going to go a little bit, I'm not going to say biased, but a little bit off the beaten path for my sport four spot. I'm going Patrick Baldwin Jr., and he's still on the board uh, in, in the draft right now. But I think he is going to be the steal of the NBA draft wherever he ends up going. Because that dude, it, once he was at one time a top five overall recruit, five-star kid. He ended up going to UW-Milwaukee to play for his dad. And people just forgot about him. And he's still really good. If you looked at his highlights from his one year at UW-Milwaukee, he was really, really good. He was a lot like Jabari Smith. Uh, he played a lot like him. I think he's another guy where if he gets in the right situation, the right circumstances, he's going to make some real impacts pretty quickly here. Cause he's got, he's six ten. Uh, he shoots really, really well. Uh, and as long as he just, you know, fills out his frame a little bit more, he's going to be really, really good. So, uh, I, a little bit off the, you know, beaten path, but I think Patrick Baldwin jr. Is going to be the sleeper of this draft, wherever they get him. And I'll throw him in my four spot to round out my team. I like that pick a lot. I like both those picks a lot. Dyson Daniels is a guy that, I, like you said, I didn't know a ton about him because he wasn't a college guy. He, he was a guy that kind of flew under my radar, but he is so talented, and I, I believe he's going to be a good player. Uh, Patrick Baldwin, I'm upset about that pick because I really wanted him, and I thought I would be able to pick him with this fifth pick. I was like, oh, yeah, that's easy money. He's going to slide right under the radar. He's on my team. So that I that sucks because I also really like Patrick Baldwin. I think he's going to be a massive steal. We're talking about guys in the top ten being steals. If Patrick Baldwin's able to actually play ball, he will be a huge steal for any NBA team. Um, so with my last pick, I'm going to pick a three, and I really wanted it to be Patrick Baldwin. Um, I'm going with Oche Abaji from Kansas. He's a guy that was a four-year guy at Kansas. It was awesome. Won a national championship. He's a guy that's going to walk in the NBA, got drafted by the Cavs, and he's going to he's gonna provide really good minutes for a up-and-coming team at the wing position. I, I have full faith Oche Abaji is going to be a good player, play good defense, hit shots. 
he does a very good job of hitting shots and making big plays on both sides of the court. And that's what that's the Cavs. I mean, any team needs that at all times. And drafting a guy like that with championship pedigree, that's big for a young team like Cleveland, putting him on the wing, Oche Abaji. Yeah, he's a winner. And especially coming to that program, Bill Self, Kansas, I mean, they just have winners there. And adding a guy like that can't beat it. So, yeah, Oche Abaji is my last pick of this draft. Um, what were your alternates for this uh, draft? Um, I had to go on and throw on the, the Kemba Walker jersey now that it's kind of official now. I, this wild couple of minutes. Uh, my alternates. I had Keegan Murray down at small forward in case uh, Paolo got taken beforehand because I wanted to put Paolo at the three. Uh, but Keegan Murray, a uh, guy that went four tonight, I, a lot higher than a lot of people probably had him at. Uh, Duran was my backup center. Uh, and, and if you had gotten Dyson Daniels, I was going to take Ben Matherin at the two. Uh, also a guy uh, I think is going to be really, really good. This is a really talented draft. Uh, as I was going through this, you realize like if you're 10 deep and you're still like, oh, I wish I, I, I hope I can get that guy. It's like, okay, this is a dream. There are going to be a lot of good players out of this draft when we look back on it. Uh, any alternates that didn't make your team? Oh yeah, I went three deep on like every position because I I love drafts and I just there's a lot of guy guys in this class that I really like. Um, at point guard, Ty Ty Washington out of Kentucky. Ty Ty's a guy that I think will be better in the NBA than he was in college. He just he kind of fits that mold of Kentucky guards that really flourish in the NBA game. And I, I think Ty Ty's the next up. We've seen so many good Kentucky guards in the past decade, and I feel like Ty Ty follows right with those guys. And I I'm excited to see what he does in the NBA. Uh, Andrew Nimhart out of Gonzaga. I've always liked his game. Blake Wesley out of Notre Dame at the shooting guard position. Christian Braun from Can- or Brown from Kansas at the shooting guard position. Love his game. He's going to be a late first-round guy. Um, at the three, Ochai was my first, but I wanted Patrick Baldwin. I, I was like, I want him. He's going to be a second-round guy more than likely, but I, I really wanted Patrick Baldwin. And then Jalen Williams out of Santa Clara, who went in the lottery. Uh, at the four, Tari Eason from LSU. I love his game. I think Tari Eason's going to be a really, really solid NBA player. Ron Harper Jr. out of Rutgers plays a wing position wherever you want to put him. And then at center, Walker Kessler from Auburn was an alternate, as well as Jalen Williams from Arkansas. There's so many good players in this draft. And being able to draft guys that like haven't been selected or wanting to draft guys that haven't been selected and we're in the mid first round is that shows the depth of this draft and how many good players there are, how many intriguing prospects are in this year's draft. So uh, it's going to be fun to see how the rest of the draft plays out, but I'm really, really happy with the team I selected. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I mean, two of the guys that got selected are now Pistons at the, uh, at the end of this. Uh, I can't believe it. Uh, it's very awesome, but we'll get into the question and answer segment of the of the show. Uh, I'm gonna let Dylan take a first swing at the questions this week. So Dylan, it's all on you. Yeah, so we're we got a lot of draft talk, and I want to know what's the better draft format: the NBA draft lottery system or like the NFL system, where the worst team gets the first pick? So I'll throw it to you for your opinion. So. I looked it up, and the lottery was introduced in 1984 as an attempt to dispel rumors that teams were deliberately losing in order to receive the top pick. And how has that worked out for us? I don't think it has fixed that problem. In fact, it has made the problem infinitely worse, that anyone that's not competing for a playoff spot is now competing for the top you know, three spots to get into the lottery. So uh, at this point, I really don't know what the lottery does because like that was the point that was the point it was that you weren't going to tank because it it was less of a chance to get the top pick anyway now it makes more teams tank because there's more of a chance that you're going to get the top pick even if you're not the worst team out there uh and so in reality it's really not helping you and it's not benefiting anyone because the point of giving the worst team the top pick to make that worst team better in the end of the day. Like that's why the NFL does it that way is because the worst team usually needs the most help. Uh, They need that kind of guy. And does it work all the time? No, but it at least is going to a team that, you know, I guess it's, it's tough because when, when you compare these two, you're comparing two different leagues and the NBA, it's a lot easier to tank. Like it's a lot easier to know you're not going to be a, you know, competing for a playoff spot about halfway through and you've got 40 or so more games to lose and you've got 40 or so games to work with where you can 
really lose some games where in the NFL, uh, you know, if you already win like two or three games, you're kind of out of the running for the top pick. So uh, it's, I, I, I would say I, neither method is obviously perfect by any means, but it just seems to me that like the lottery doesn't make any sense anymore. It just exacerbates the problem that they were trying to fix to begin with. And I feel like we just kind of do it now because it's, it's its own spectacle in its own right. It's something for the NBA. You know, we can televise the lottery. It's talked about all year. It's its own spectacle on top of the NBA draft itself. So uh, I don't think they're ever going to change it to, to an extent. I think it's too ingrained in what the NBA does now, but I do think it's like, it's, it seems pretty pointless to be doing something to, to dispel rumors that people are tanking when it's like, only it's only made it open for people to tank. Like if, if that's really what you're trying to do, then yeah, it's failing at its purpose. So, uh, well, I don't think any of them are perfect. I think the, at least the NFL draft is accomplishing its, its, its goal at least in, in giving the worst team the best players. So uh, I think in that case, the NFL draft is better, but uh, I'd like to hear what you have to say about it too. I love the draft lottery so much. I think like, and the thing is, if it wasn't in the NBA, it might not work as good. But the NBA is so good at making things dramatic and putting it on TV. I'm mean, like, we're going to unveil the first ten picks, and then the the or the the bottom half of the lottery, the fourteen through five, and then we're going to go to commercial, and then we'll unveil the top four, and just making it so dramatic, having the music and all that. It's just it's perfect for the NBA because that's that's what that league is. It, they dramatize everything. I mean, the draft is so dramatic. They have trades going off every five seconds. I mean, it's just it's perfect for the NBA. But I honestly think the draft lottery might be better in the NFL. I think the draft lottery in the NFL would be absolutely electric, and that makes me think it might work better in every sport because. I, I, I just think back to, like, tanking for Tua and all that. Like, I just hate that. Like, going into the season, trading away, like, half your good pieces and be like, we want Tua Tagovailoa. That's crazy. I don't like that at all. Like, if you're going to tank, like, at least have a chance where you don't get the first pick. Like, look at what the Sixers did. They tanked for all those years. They didn't have anybody. And they're like, we don't even know if we'll have the first week. And they didn't get the first week most of the time. And I, I respect that a lot more. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But, like, um, I think the draft lottery, it, it kind of creates a system of, like, karma. And it's like you get what's coming around. And it's uh, – I don't know. I like it. I think I think it's a just system. I don't think it's rigged. I know some people think it's rigged. But, like, teams like Minnesota and Orlando wouldn't be getting multiple number one overall picks if it was rigged. It would be the big, huge market teams. Golden State would have had the number one pick class or two years ago if it was rigged. They would have got Anthony Edwards, and dear God, what a dynasty we would have in front of us if they had Anthony Edwards in Golden State. That would be terrifying. Uh, and who knows, James Wiseman gets healthy. That could be terrifying as well. Um, but I think the draft lottery, it just it spices things up. It's so spicy. I don't know. I really, really like it. It gives you the option of like, Oh, we're not going to see the Jaguars picking number one overall for the next decade. We might get to throw in the Houston Texans picking number one overall, which will probably happen anyways, but it'll, it spices things up. You never know what might happen. And I don't know. I think it, it keeps teams from just saying, all right, we're giving up. And even though they do, I don't know. I think, I don't know. It just makes it a little more fun than knowing the exact draft order, the day the season ends. I don't know. That's boring. Give me a presentation. Give me spice it up. Give me the show like two days before the pro make that the pro bowl centered around the draft lottery. I don't know. You can have a lot of fun with an NFL draft lottery because the NBA draft lottery is the absolute best ever since the lottery, the draft lottery happened a couple, I guess it's been a couple months ago now. That's all people have talked about. They've talked about the playoffs and then, Oh, Who's going number one, Paulo, Chet, or uh, Jabari? And it's I, I think it creates a lot of excitement, and I don't know. I think that the NFL draft doesn't need a lot more help, but a lottery could make it a little bit more fun. And I'll, I'm all for making drafts more fun because drafts are already the best. Yeah, I, I side with the lottery, but I see the I see the good in both. Yeah, I, I, I think both are, you know, there's good parts, there's bad parts of both, and I think there's just got to be a – a combination of the two at some points figure out somehow to to get the the best of both worlds but on to my question uh kind of related uh it's all nba draft related uh i think we're both on the side of tanking is okay to an extent 
but I also think we've seen quite a few teams that do it. We've, we've seen so many variations of tanking at this point. We've seen varying amounts of, you know, going all in to, you know, kind of tanking, kind of not to, you know, the process in Philadelphia. Uh, and we've seen varying amounts of success from those teams. My question is, how long do you think it's okay for a team to tank in order to build a, a good roster before it becomes, you know, something uh, of a problem? And also, you know, what does a team have to achieve to make that all worth it in the end? So I think the answer to both of these is it depends on the franchise, which I know is very boring to say, but let's say tomorrow the Yankees have to go into a rebuild. The, a successful rebuild will not be winning the AL East. That it just wouldn't be. And they couldn't rebuild for a decade. That just wouldn't be acceptable. That's the New York Yankees. And I know I'm bringing baseball into a basketball conversation, but this is just, it's an example. Everybody knows the Yankees and their standards. Um, the Yankees, they would have to go out and spend money as well as after a bad year drafting the absolute best prospect in the draft and getting him at as quick as possible and winning a World Series. That's, that's their standard. Whereas if you have a team like the Baltimore Orioles who are hopefully near the end of a rebuild as they're calling up all these top prospects like Adley Rushman and like you've got guys like Grayson Rodriguez and other top prospects in that organization finding their way to Baltimore. And they're, they're honestly like doing a lot better. They're uh, hoping next year might be the year, even though they're in a stacked AL East where they get to maybe competing. If they're able to win the AL East or even – make the wild card that has to be considered a success of a rebuild. And it just, I think it goes um, franchise to franchise. And I, I think if it's just like a general answer, in my opinion, you rebuild until you feel like you have the assets to compete because that's, that's what we're doing here. We want to win. And if you feel like going into a season, you don't have the assets on your team to compete, then tank. I mean, if, if we're really getting down to it, I don't like tanking, but if that's the method you want to go with, then go for it. If you feel like you can't compete, like the Orioles, I like the team they have. I, I'm, I keep bringing it back to baseball, even though we're talking about the NBA draft today. But I like the team the Orioles have right now, and they are competing. They probably shouldn't be because that AL East is simply too good. I mean, three of those teams are going to take up the wild card spot or the, the East Championship and then the wild cards, and it's not going to be the Orioles. I'm sorry to burst the bubbles in Baltimore, but that's not going to happen. I would love for it to, but it's not. They, sh I mean, let the young guys kill it, but don't try too hard because they're not making the playoffs this year. They're not winning the AL East this year, uh, but they're not too far away. And it, I think it's it's realizing where you are and taking a step back and being like, okay, what else do we need? What what prospects are there in the future that we can go after? And it might be easier in a sport like basketball or football where you can see like, oh, next year we've got a guy like Paulo Benchero or a guy like Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, where we can be like, okay, maybe we don't need to go up there and absolutely win that game against the Houston Texans. We can we can be like, okay, it's we'll take the field goal. We don't have to go for the touchdown fourth down, things like that. And, uh, yeah, it's just – it's measuring how, uh, like, the obviously you see the prospects in the future and how you feel about the team you have in front of you. And if you think you can't compete, because that's, I mean, like, like I said, that's what we're doing here. We're trying to win games, trying try to win championships. And a successful rebuild, it's, it, it goes by the franchise again. It's, are you the Yankees where a World Series or a World Championship is the end goal? And if that, then if you won, then yeah, you did it. You're, the rebuild was successful. But if you're like, the example that kept coming in my head was the Grizzlies. The Grizzlies had to rebuild after getting rid of that grit and grind era. I think their rebuild right now is successful. I think they're right now, the team going in to year four of jaw is better than any of the grit and grind teams. I know that might be controversial. I, I think that jaw and JJJ and the core they have right now, and who knows what it might turn into in the coming weeks. I think these teams are better. And I'm like, the Grizz are going to be competing for the Western conference for the next couple of years. And I don't think those, I know the grit and grind teams made it to the Western conference finals. I never considered them like, oh, yeah, they're the top of the Western Conference. I always knew there were teams better than them. The Grizzlies might get to the point where they're like, oh, yeah, they're the top top dogs in the West. And I think if you're at that point, you have to understand that the rebuild was a success. And you got to be happy because that's not the historical um, – that's not where they have been in history of the Memphis Grizzlies. They haven't been at the top of the West, and that might be where they've got with this very, very quick rebuild. Um and it's, it just goes franchise by franchise. And you have to decide, is it winning the division, winning 
the conference, winning the overall league championship, or is it just making the playoffs? And I think you just have to go franchise by franchise and decide um, what is the ultimate goal of our franchise. Are we legit championship contenders or are we just trying to win the division, trying to win the conference and go by there? I think a good way to look at it is the Sixers. I think that's the most famous rebuild out of any of these is the whole trust the process. And I, I think that's a good slogan to have with a rebuild. But was that successful? Because, I mean, two, two of the three main pieces of the process are gone. They Markell's in Orlando and Ben Simmons is in Brooklyn, I guess. I, I guess he's a net. And um, was that successful? I mean, sort of. I'm sure Philadelphia fans are probably like, no, not at all. Because they, they're like, we hate Ben Simmons. They probably feel bad for, bad for Markell, but they're just like, we just have Joel. And we're kind of stuck because James Harden has $80 million tied up in him. So I, I don't know. I they, they never won the East. I'm, I don't even know if they won their division. So that's, I don't know. It's tough. You just have to go uh, franchise by franchise and look at it that way and kind of grade it through that. Yeah. I, I, you bring up a great point. And I think that's the kind of the, kind of the same philosophy uh, that I took, but a different, you know, kind of way of looking at it. It is franchise by franchise, but when you talk about like tanking, it's really to the extent uh, that franchise tanks and the length of that tank that makes it, you know, what, how you judge what, uh, you know, what a success would be. And you bring up a great point with the 76ers. I mean, they tanked hard. I mean, they were the, you know, trust the process. They were, you know, the, they're the poster of tanking. They were legit telling their fan base, Hey, we're going to be bad for, you know, quite a few years, but, you know, trust us at the end of it, it's going to be, you know, work out at the end. If you're going to do something as all out blitz like that, you know, we're going to be bad for years upon years and not play our guys, you know, draft guys like Nerlens Noel when you know he's going to be hurt, uh, draft guys like Joel Embiid when you know he's going to be hurt uh, and do that uh, in order to make your team bad. Well, then the expectations for what the results are at the end of that are way higher. I, I think if the 76ers don't come out of the Joel Embiid era without a championship, I think it's a bust of you know, you wasted five or six years just losing uh, that you could have been spent, you know, actually making a franchise, you know, doing things that would have been entertaining to fans that wasn't, you know, straight up losing. I I know you had a plan, but when you don't, when the plan doesn't come to fruition, it looks a lot worse. So I I think it, it surely comes down to, you know, what, you know, what you put your fan base through and what they're willing to, you know, put up with at the end of it. So like, I mean, the Pistons, uh, you could say they've tanked for the past couple of years, but we've also seen like the process of that grow. You know, we saw Cade Cunningham get drafted first overall. We're seeing the benefits being reaped in this, this draft tonight. So uh, it, it it's different when, you know, it, it, you know, only a few years ago we were in the, you know, in the playoffs, you know, granted not doing very well, getting swept by the, the bucks in the first round, but in a, a few years ago, we were in the playoffs. We, we identified that that team wasn't going to be competitive. We took a couple of years of being uncompetitive. And now it seems like we're going to have a competitive team again pretty quickly here. So, and I don't think my expectations are going to be championship or bust for that team, but I think, you know, it's, it, it's going to, you know, it's, it's more of a, like a, I'm happy to see that our, you know, our franchise took that route of, of rebuilding our team. Uh, but there's a difference, you know, there's, you know, there's teams that, you know, full on commit to the tanking life where it's like, that's putting a lot of pressure on, you know, the expectations of what you bring at the end, you know, if you're not going to win a championship. Uh, and I think it's kind of like the reverse of like what LeBron does to a, a team, like the Lakers kind of needed that championship because we all know at the end when LeBron leaves, they're going to be, you know, zapped of talent and, and assets. So it's, it's kind of the same at the other way, where it's like if you're going to zap your team of assets and talent at the front end of it, well, you better have a championship at the end of it to show for it. So I think that's kind of what, you know, where you got to be. How much do you throw into it? How much did you tank? And, like, that really is how much it's going to, you know, you, you pull out of it at the end. Uh, like, as a Lions fan, I, I, I can't say I would, like, expect a championship because I, I don't think the Lions – have ever been tanking they've just have been bad for for so long so it's like there's a difference between tanking and just being bad for for a very long time but when you 
go out of your way to tank to get good draft picks, well, you better be successful at the end of the day. Is I think you know basically my f- thought process about it. It it's a, it's the smart move, but you better have a plan. You better not just be like, all right, we're gonna make our team bad and hope we get a good team at the end of it. You better have a really good plan to be successful at the end of it. Uh, is basically my philosophy around it. So uh, I think that's really the way I answer that question. We're going to move on to this week in sports, and it's time to react to the NBA draft. Uh, we are done with the lottery. Uh, we are through pick about 20 or so now. We're through most of it. I, I have no idea where we're at at this point. But uh, Dylan. Pick 18. Dalen Terry just went to the Chicago Bulls. We're at pick 19 gotcha, right gotcha. now in real so time. We are almost through the top 20. Uh, Dylan. I'm going to throw it to you. Open floor. What has been your reaction to the NBA draft and uh, all of the craziness that's happened in the past 10 or 15 minutes? <laughs> I'm not going to try to do like the whole Detroit basketball thing, but oh my God, the Pistons. I'm so happy you're a Pistons fan. So we can just talk about this a bunch because my God, the Pistons have killed this draft. Jaden Ivey is somebody that like became like my draft crush at some point. Cause I was like, I love this guy. He's so good. He's so talented. And obviously watching John Morant play for so long and him being compared to Ja, you can see it. Like, I, he doesn't have – I don't see him as the point guard position like Ja. Like, uh, he doesn't have the passing vision, the elite, stuff like that. But everything else, the athleticism, yeah, yeah. I, I was wondering when you were going to see that. Um, Dylan just took off the Kimba jersey because the, the Pistons are going to buy out Kimba. That sucks. That was exciting for about 10 minutes. Um, but Jaden Ivey, he's just a guy, I think maybe not the point guard side of job, but he's a little bit bigger, play the two and a little bit more off ball stuff. He's so athletic. I think he has a better shot coming out of college than Ja did. And I, I just, I really wanted, there were a few rumors that the Grizzlies were going to try to trade up to four to get Ivy and team him up, Ivy and Ja. And I was like, Oh my God, that would be incredible. But I think Ja or Cade, and Jaden is even better. I think they, they'll play off each other so well. And that's just such an exciting uh, duo for the future. It was the only one that, like, the, the fit, I was like, oh, my God, that's incredible. I love that so much. Um, Jabari going to Houston I think is really intriguing. The fit with him and Jalen Green and uh, Jabari Smith is a very intriguing duo that it's like, okay, can Houston figure this out? Can they get the most potential out of these two fellas? And uh, I'm, I'm very, very curious to see what they can do. And them being in the division with the Grizzlies, I'll get to watch him quite a bit, which is exciting. Um, Chet to OKC, they, they have like the lankiest, longest team ever. Shea's like six foot seven at point guard, and he's got a huge wingspan. You got Chet, who's just like incredibly tall. You got the longest arms ever. You got Poku, who's a seven foot three small forward that I don't know if anyone's going to be able to go inside against the Oklahoma City Thunder. And good luck shooting a three because you got to shoot it over those guys. So I, the Thunder, they're they're doing stuff. I'm I'm really impressed with what they've been able to do. And everyone knew Chet was going to be a Thunder. I don't think anyone in the past few weeks was like, oh, yeah, Chet's not going number one, and he's not going to fall to three. Like, this was known. He was going to be a Thunder. He's been a Thunder for a while now. So uh, this is not surprising. Um, Paulo, number one, did surprise me a little bit. But, like, last week we sat here and said we're like, Paulo's the guy. He's a safe pick, and he might not have the same potential as Jabari or Chet, but he's the safe pick. We know what he is. He's really good. He was the best player on a Final Four team that had five NBA guys in the starting lineup. And, I mean, he was very clearly the best player on that team. So that that says a lot. He's going to go into Orlando, and I like I said last week, I think he'll be the rookie of the year. I, I – with the Jaden Ivey fit in Piston, I wouldn't be surprised if he's up there, but I I really like Paulo's fit in Orlando because he's going to be the guy, and he's got guys around him that can play basketball. They, they've got some dogs down in Orlando. I'm, I'm excited to see what they can do. They're still not going to be great because it's Orlando, and Paulo will probably be a Laker in about five years. But, that, hey, that's how it goes for Orlando Magic number one overall picks. Um, but, yeah, it's there's been a lot of stuff going on. It's still happening. The Grizzlies pick very shortly. And I'm, I'm excited to see what they do. I really – I would really love to see Ty Ty Washington or Kennedy Chandler be picked because I – never mind. The Grizzlies trade for pick 19. Never mind. Uh, I'm going to throw it to you because I want to see what the Grizzlies do. So what have your impressions been here so far in the first round? 
Yeah, I was wondering when you were going to see that. Yeah, the, the Grizzlies are now on the clock trading with the Timberwolves uh, to get up to 19. But yeah, uh, obviously the, the Pistons and what they've been able to do, the wheeling and dealing that they've been done, the doing. It started last night with the Jeremy Grant trade. Uh, and me and Dylan talked about that uh, when it went down. And I thought, you know, they, they kind of undersold on Jeremy Grant uh, considering the draft pick that they were getting. But now they turn that draft pick into Jalen Durant. That was the draft pick that we sent uh, to get that pick for the Jalen Duran uh, in the Jalen Duran move. Uh, and, and then now buying out Kemba Walker, we're still going to have a lot of cap space and now go after whether it be DeAndre Aiden and, or whether it be, you know, Miles Bridges is also uh, a guy that might fit in at that four slot. So uh, that move gave us a lot of, uh, like that move gave us a lot of cap room. It, it, the Pistons have knocked it out of the park. I don't think they could have done anything differently uh, and made me any happier than the, than what we are right now. Uh, I, I was a little bit excited to see Kemba in the Pistons uniform, but I think it does make sense to buy him out uh, and, and get that cap space and, and go after someone like DeAndre Ayton, which it sounds like the Pistons are going to do. Uh, I think the biggest surprise was seeing Keegan Murray go at four. Uh, I did think, you know, like, obviously uh, you know we've talked a lot of has been made about the fit with with Jaden Ivey and De'Aaron Fox and Davion Mitchell in in Sacramento I just didn't think it mattered I I thought you you take the best guy that's available there uh, and you go with it and I definitely didn't think Keegan Murray was the next best guy to take at that spot I think you go after you know a guy with a higher ceiling because that was really my problem with taking Keegan Murray at five as a Pistons fan, I was like, I really don't see the upside of taking Keegan Murray. I, I think he doesn't have much to give other than what he already is. He's a solid player. I saw a lot of him in the Big Ten. He was a very, very good player. I don't think he's a great player. I don't think he was top five worthy of, 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 of a pick. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't see how much he's going to grow. I, I definitely think you get a higher upside with guys like Shaden Sharp or, or Ben Matherin or guys like that. So I, I, I don't understand, but Sacramento has been, you know, generally you know, terrible at drafts in the past few years. So I guess that's, you know, uh, the only thing I might be eating my words on that. Uh, how about the Knicks just ended up getting no one? I, I, like, I think that's the, the thing to take out of it. Uh, I, they ended up with that trade just with nothing. Uh, the Knicks were coming in with like thoughts of maybe getting Jaden Ivey, you know, maybe getting Jalen Duran, maybe making some moves, drafting farther back in the first round. And they just have nothing like they, they're coming out of this draft with absolutely nothing. And that's just tough. I, I, I feel like it's the same franchises that come in and botch these drafts all the time. And it used to be the Pistons. The Pistons were right up there with those who would always come in and take, you know, the guy that wasn't supposed to go, but like, I don't understand how the Knicks took really no one. Like they dealt all their picks away. I, I can't, I can't imagine how it feels to be a Knicks fan right now. Uh, other than that, I mean, I, I I'd like to see where Patrick Baldwin goes like i said in the draft i think he's going to be a steal to whoever he falls to uh, i think a lot of people are overlooking what he could be at the at the next level uh i'm excited to see what these dudes can do for the pistons i'm just so i know my i i can't get off of like we we just got possibly the best center in the draft because i don't know if you can really call chet a center he's more of just like a a freak at forward of whatever he is i think we got the best center and you could make the case we got the best guard too. So uh, I, I think, I mean, he was the first guard off the board, but I think he's the best guard in the draft too. So uh, I, there's a there's a good case that we got two of the top five players in this draft uh, out, out of nothing. So uh, I don't think I could be any happier with the way that it went for the for the Pistons at this point. But uh, yeah, any more reactions that you got? I know the the that Memphis just took uh, that Wake Forest guy. Yeah, so they traded um, the pick 22 and pick 29 for Jake Lavaria, I believe is how you say his name. He really good player out of Wake Forest, who I honestly hadn't heard a ton about coming into the draft before literally today. I, I remember from last season, Wake Forest was the best shooter in the ACC. Um, but I saw a TikTok this morning, literally this morning, that said this guy from Wake Forest, he's shooting up draft boards. GMs are falling in love with him because – heading into the process, like going through everything, teams had him listed at 22 years old. He's not 22. He's 20. 
And that makes a huge difference in the NBA draft. And teams are like, okay, we, we think he can still develop. And they're like, all right, we're all about him. So he shot up from a late second round guy to all the way top 20, getting picked 19 from Memphis. And they gave up two first round picks to get him. Um, I like this trade a lot because Memphis didn't pick a point guard. And that means there's a good chance Tyus Jones might be coming back to Memphis. And that was kind of like Tyus, like go get the bag and uh, go be a starting point guard or go play for someone else. But now my, maybe Tyus is going to stick around and be an elite backup point guard for the Memphis Grizzlies, which is huge. And that's bigger than anybody that the Grizzlies could have drafted. If they can keep Tyus with Jaws problems with injuries, Tyus Jones might be the most important player on that team with uh, Jaws injury history. So I, I like to pick, I think, Adding a shooter around Ja and JJJ and Steven Adams and the whole core, Desmond Bain, Dylan Brooks, so important. And just to see what he can do when he's a young guy, 20 years old, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I, he's a guy I remember watching Wake Forest play last year. I was like, this guy, he, he's got some game. So I'm, I'm excited to see what he can do for uh, Memphis next season and beyond. But, yeah, it's been a fun draft. It's been a really, really fun draft. And uh, I'm surprised there hasn't been more trades focused around players. But, I mean, when you break it down, really, the Pistons traded Jeremy Grant for Jalen Durant. So, that we kind of got that. But there hasn't been a ton of trades, which kind of sucks. But we got the Titans traded. Or not the Titans. The Grizzlies traded. And um, the Pistons traded. So, that worked out perfect for the Dylan and Dylan show. But, yeah, it's, it's been a fun draft so far. I'm excited to see where Kennedy Chandler ends up. And I'm excited to see if Tevin Brown gets drafted or is picked up as an um, undrafted free agent for somebody. Yeah, it's, it's been a really fun draft so far. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to be watching to see where my Michigan guys go, uh, both Caleb Houston and Musa Diabate still on the board. Uh, and so, yeah, as, as the best available comes up too, some big-time guys out there too. So, uh, But that will do it from us at the Dylan and Dylan Show. Dylan, any final thoughts before we go? Yeah, um, I like I said, I'm excited to see where Kennedy ends up. He should be going very soon in this draft, I assume. Uh, him and uh, like I said, I, I want to see where Ty Ty Washington goes to. That's a guy I really, really like. I enjoy his game. I, I'm curious to see where he ends up. And Tevin, I watching Tevin play for so long at Murray and being uh, being a peer of mine at Murray State. I'm excited to see where he ends up and hopefully ends up in a good situation. I'd love to see him end up playing summer league ball with Memphis. I really think he could make the roster. Um, and then I'm heading back to a major league baseball game tomorrow. I'll be at Bush stadium, see the Cardinals and the Cubs play. I'm really, really excited. Haven't seen a Cardinals Cubs game in years. So I'm excited to get to Bush stadium, watch the Cardinals play, watch NL MVP candidate, Paul Goldschmidt, watch NL rookie of the year candidate, uh, Nolan Gorman, watch NL gold glove candidate, Tommy Edmond, another gold glove candidate, Nolan Arenado. I I'm excited to watch the whole game. I love this Cardinals team so much. I'm going to make so many trips to St. Louis this summer because this team's special. It feels like a very, very special uh, Cardinals team, and I, I can't wait to watch them again tomorrow night in St. Louis or tonight in St. Louis as you're listening. But, yeah, um, I, I reckon that's all I got. Uh, hook them horns. Shout out to Arch Manning. <laughs> All right. Thank you for listening, everyone. Here is where you can find us. You can find the show at Dylan Dylan Show on Twitter and Instagram. You can find Tunnel Vision Sports on Instagram at Tunnel Vision Sports underscore on TikTok and Twitter at underscore TV Sports on Facebook and LinkedIn at Tunnel Vision Sports and on the web at TVSportsMag.com. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. Have a great weekend and we will see you all next week. Goodbye.